Jasmine and Bearded Podcast starts right now. And what's going on, everybody? This is the Asman and Budic Show Football Frenzy Week Number Eight, and it's hard to believe that it is already Week Eight of the NFL season. But Dan, after a week off, a week that saw a lot of different type of storylines develop in the NFL, we're back for Football Frenzy Week Eight right here on the Asman Budic Show podcast. Back for Week Eight, and it was a, an interesting week. Obviously, it kicked off with the Jets and the Patriots last week. Uh, really, the Jets' best game they played in a number of weeks just couldn't pull it out. You know, they fall to one and six. But you know, we're going to get into it. The move they made Friday, very interesting. John Idzik, you know, making a deal with his former team, Jets bringing in Percy Harvin, and that was obviously one of the bigger storylines. In the NFL, the Seattle Seahawks, after their loss to the St. Louis Rams, they're currently at three and three, and they traded Percy Harvin, a guy in which not too long ago they gave up a first round pick, a third round pick, a fifth round pick, and a lot of money to bring this guy in. And you know, it, it's hard. And don't to, forget, it, it's hard to believe in five regular season games they had enough of Percy Harvin. And you know, before you know it, the Jets only had to give up a sixth round pick to bring this guy in. Only had to give up a sixth round pick. The seven and a half million dollars goes to him, but don't forget. He was an integral part of that Super Bowl win against the Broncos under a year ago. So very interesting move on behalf of the Seattle Seahawks. And then you hear, I love how you hear afterwards, all the nonsense with him and him and uh, Golden Tate, how Golden Tate had a black guy before the Super Bowl because they got into a fight. And then I the other day about how Russell Wilson didn't feel safe around him. I mean, it's, it's so funny how you hear all these stories about Percy Harvin after the fact he's traded to the Jets. It's so. funny. It's all nonsense. And you know what's funny? And uh, I, I saw this on Twitter and – I give credit if I remember who tweeted it, but it's so accurate. If the Patriots traded for Percy Harvin, great move. It'd be the greatest move they've ever could have made. You know, Bill Belichick could turn this guy around. He could be a great player for them. The Jets do it. Oh, it's the Jets. It's not going to work out. Well, let me tell you something. We're going to talk about this more when we get to our Jets Giants segment a little bit later on in the program. But Percy Harvin gives you a playmaker, a playmaker this, that this team desperately needs. So at the end of the day, you're making your team better. And at one and six. What do you really have to lose? What do you really have to lose, lose is right. And you made a great point, Jake, talking about you know how if the Patriots made this move, they would have they would have looked like you know the greatest move ever. L- look at two years ago when the page or last year when the Patriots decided to bring in Tim Tebow. Everyone loved the move. The Jets bring in Tim Tebow the year before, and it was you know the worst move in the history of football. So I, I think it was the worst. Well, it was, <laughs> but it was. But with the Patriots did the same thing. Everyone's like, oh, Bill Belichick's a genius. Of He'll course. make Tim Tebow into a, well, a, a, a an NFL a, player. It's a double standard. And of course, all all media outlets do this, and you know it's not that surprising. But at the end of the day, anyone trying to say that the Percy Harvin move isn't a smart decision by the Jets just doesn't really understand how this team works. Understands the situation where they're trying to develop a quarterback that needs weapons to be able to you know, really develop and find out what type of player that Geno Smith actually is. But as I just said, we'll get to the Harvin story later. But before we you know, really break down the rest of the NFL, we're going to go break down some of the, the Week 8 matchups. We've got some really good ones on the schedule this week. We just, we just want to remind everyone that you can find us on Twitter at The Asman Budic Show. And, of course, we have a Facebook page now. You can go like us on there as well. So we wanted to give the social media some plug before we – Get started, but Dan, first game of the Week 8 season right here in the NFL. You got Detroit in Atlanta, and both teams coming in. Kind of a tale of two different AFCs. In London, too. Yeah, this game's in London. The game actually starts at 9.30 a.m. on Fox. And, of course, Dan, that game is going to be at Wembley Stadium in London. And, you know, the Falcons this season have really struggled in all in all sense of the, uh, you know, the imagination. If you really look at this team, a lot of expectations coming in. They had a 4-12 season last year, and so far this season – they have just struggled overall, and obviously Detroit comes in 5-2. and two. They're playing really well right now. Detroit's playing really well, and Atlanta, I mean, you thought a couple weeks ago when they beat up on Tampa Bay on Thursday night, they were going to look like world beaters, and they, they just haven't been able to put it together offensively. Defensively, they're a little short in the secondary. i got to admit, Detroit seems like just a much better football team at this point. In London, uh, just well, both teams don't have an advantage in London. Like we talked about when, when the Raiders and Dolphins played. I, I don't like the London games. I think it's a, a waste of time for a regular season game. But you have to play the games on your schedule. I just think Detroit's just a better football team. And the thing with the Falcons is their defense is horrendous. It's awful. It their secondary is awful. If Matt Ryan and this offense does not put up at least 30 points, you can't feel confident in their team's chances of winning the game. The Falcons are just not good defensively. And Detroit's got a really good defense. Yeah, Detroit's played well. And, you know, a lot of people get up and down on the, on the Lions. But since Jim Caldwell's been in there, they're 5-2 and two right now. They've played well. They have some impressive wins over, obviously, over the, um, the, the Green Bay Packers. You know, they beat the Jets. I don't know how they impressive beat the Giants. that is, but they did beat the Giants. So, you know, Detroit's looked pretty good in the opportunities we've had to really watch them. So, they're a team on the rise. They're a team to watch out for. And then 
You go to another game, you have St. Louis at Kansas City. Both teams coming in off big wins. Of course, St. Louis had a improbable win over the Seahawks. Their special teams making two outstanding plays with a fake punt at the end of the game. And, of course, you know the fake punt return, which set up a touchdown on the on the, the, the whole play design there, which was just absolutely incredible. What a day for their special teams coordinator. So the St. Louis Rams pick up a, bu- a big win over the defending champion Seahawks this past Sunday. And now they're facing a Kansas City team that just beat up on the San Diego Chargers, who a lot of people thought were one of the best teams in the NFL. So you have two teams coming in off big wins. Two teams coming off big wins. And what, what impressed me the most about the St. Louis Rams are they showed they're not afraid of the Seattle Seahawks. They're not afraid of plugging against their defense. And, you know, took a lot of guts for, for them to go for it on on fourth down, the fake punt. I thought that was a gutsy call. And it turns out they probably would have lost the game if they don't make that play. So I like uh, I like what I've seen out of the St. Louis Rams the last couple of weeks. People were very iffy on the Kansas City Chiefs early on the season. They did not play well. They've kind of put things together. They had that big win over New England on Monday Night Football. And, of course, they've now beaten the San Diego Chargers a week ago. So Kansas City's starting to get hot a little bit. you got to like the way they're playing. Kansas City's getting hot, and I think I think if they could get into the playoffs and they're a wild-card team, they could be a sleeper team that could upset you know, a division winner in the first round. I like what I've seen so far and like what I've seen in certain situations out of Alex Smith in this offense. And then you look at Chicago and New England. That's a game that's going to be in Foxborough. The Patriots come in, obviously, off a win against our New York Jets, and the Bears have just been abysmal so abysmal. far this season. They have yet to win a game at home. Now they go back on the road, and they have a tough matchup against this Patriots team that a lot of people thought at 2-2, two and two, the doom and gloom of the Patriots was coming. Of course, yeah, right. that never happens. And you look at the Patriots, they've now won three straight, and they come in playing outstanding football, and they're at home against a team in Chicago that's really struggling right now. They had some issues with Brandon Marshall calling out the rest of the team in last week's loss. Well, the problem with the Bears are, you saw the, we saw them against the Jets in Week 3, and their offense was mo- you know their offense seemed like much more cohesive than it is now but defensively we knew they weren't that strong of a unit which is unusual for a bears team uh, you mentioned it Jake when you have your star receiver calling out your franchise quarterback cuz you know let's be honest Jake Culler is their franchise quarterback you know that's going to create controversy throughout the locker room and you know going against a patriots team on the road team that hasn't even won at home I don't know, the Bears are pretty abysmal right now. They need to get their stuff together. They need to make sure their quarterback and receivers are on the same page. Well, the Bears come in 3-1 on the road, and uh, we mentioned they haven't won a home game yet. So That's crazy. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, you remember even week one, they lost to the Bills, and yep. we, we couldn't believe it. But I haven't won at home yet, and that's going to eventually cost them if they don't put things together very quickly. And they have a tough schedule coming up as well. And obviously, Jay Cutler is third in, the, third in the NFL right now with interceptions, and Brandon Marshall made this point. With the talent that the Bears have offensively, there's no excuse for them to score 17 points like they did last week. they got to be able to put up some points. We saw the Jets go into Foxborough last week, and I don't want to say they were able to put up some points, but you know, as bad as the Jets' offenses looked this season, they played okay against the Patriots. No, they the did. Bears should be able to put up some points. However, I'm just not sure if their defense is good enough to stop Tom Brady and the way this Patriots offense is playing right now. That's the problem is that their defense is unusually, unusually not defense, not fundamentally sound as we've seen in previous years from a Bears defense. Remember, no Julius Peppers. He's on to Green Bay. They've lost some pieces. Brian Erlacher isn't in the mix anymore. Those are veteran leaders that really led this defense. You take those guys away, you have young safeties, you have young corners. I just, I'm not, a, I, what I've seen out of the Bears defense is if they don't put up a lot of points, like the Atlanta Falcons, they're not going to win football games. And for all the, the, the doom and gloom of Brady, the Patriots actually come in with the seventh best offense in the NFL. They're scoring right now 26.7 points a game. So the Patriots are going to be okay. We knew they'd be okay. Hey, I mean, but, you know, it, it, this is a big game for the Bears with the way they're playing right now. That'd be a big win if they go into Foxborough and pick up a win. It over could, the could change the momentum of their entire season in Week 8. There's no doubt about that. And then you look at another game, which we're going to, of course, get to is Miami and Jacksonville. Jacksonville actually picked up their first win of the season over the Browns last week. Brian Hoyer was not good in that game. And a lot, already one bad performance and people are starting to talk about Johnny Manziel coming in for the Browns. But, Jacksonville, we did a buy or sell. I think it was either the last show or two shows ago. Will they win a game? And we all said they'd win maybe you know two or three games. They got their first game and a big win over Cleveland. Where do they go from here against the Dolphins who come in with the NFL's second best or first best defense near the top? Yeah, I think they got Blake Bortles got to continue to develop. You know, they're we said it when they put him in and chose to go away from Chad Henney. They were gonna ride 
uh, Blake Bortles, you know, rookie struggles and, you know, the highs and lows of a rookie quarterback in the National Football League. And I think they're just going to ride that out the rest of the way. You mentioned it. Miami has a, a, a good defense. They're able, to, they're able to force turnovers. They're able to bring pressure. And when you can bring pressure on a young quarterback, you can force them to make mistakes. And we've seen, you know, we've seen Blake Bortles fall under that rookie quarterback phenomena where he will force, f- force footballs and he will turn over the football. And this is a team coming in, obviously, that is not very good. They were able to get a win last week. But for the Jaguars, we've all said it's all about developing Blake Bortles. And, Dan, you said it. Blake Bortles has got to continue to improve, and that's what the season's all about. Yeah, but, you know, you know, the thing is, is, like, you bring in a lot of times teams bring in a rookie quarterback. Like, when the Jets brought in Mark Sanchez as a rookie, and I, I, only, re- I only make this point because I'm a Jet fan, it's the most recent correlation I could say. Mark Sanchez didn't really play that well, but they had a much better team on the field. They had a, they had a team that was ready to win. Jacksonville's not ready to win. They're not, they don't have a winning team on the field to put to put uh, Bortles in a position where he can rely on a run game. You know, he's going to have to throw the football 25, 30, 35 times for them to win just because they don't have uh, that good of an offense around him. So uh, when you mix that with a against a team with a great defense like you talk about Miami, it's just going to be tough for them to put up points. Another game you have to look at, and a game that a lot of people probably thought before the season started was going to be one of the better games of the season. The Seattle Seahawks are going to be in Carolina taking on the Panthers. And what's wrong? What's the Carolina Panthers deal? I mean, they are a team that's just we high as low. I mean, yeah. it, they are they are all over the place. They looked so bad on Sunday. They couldn't do anything against Green Bay. They really couldn't do anything. And I did I think they were going to win the game? No, but did I think they would put up a a battle and show that they are a, a team that was not one of the best teams in the NFC last year. I'm very disappointed in what I've seen out of Carolina. You got to be disappointed with the Seahawks as well. They're three and three right now. They obviously dropped that that game to Dallas two weeks ago. We were all going nuts about that one. Couldn't believe that Dallas went into Seattle and beat them. And then you saw last week the Rams were at home were able to beat the Seahawks. And obviously the whole Percy Harvin trade. We analyzed it a little bit from the Jets' perspective. We'll have more on that a little later in the show. But from the Seahawks' perspective, if they're trading, you know, arguably one of the more talented football players. As the defending champions at three and three, I mean, you know, it speaks volumes about this the Seattle Seahawks team, and kind of crazy what might be going, what might be going on in that locker room right now. What might be going on in that locker room, but on the field defensively, I mean, they're not as stout as they were a year ago defensively. I mean, they 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 the numbers aren't there. They don't have the pass rush that they had a year ago for whatever the reason is. And I think they'll get it together, but at three and three, I mean, I think everyone's surprised that they've just that they've first of all lost at home to a Dallas Cowboys team, and then in a week where you thought they'd bounce back on the road in St. Louis, you know, they can't come up with a win. Especially against Austin Davis playing the quarterback Absolutely. position for the Rams, and you know, it's it's not I don't want to say necessarily alarming or very concerning, but it was a bit of a surprise that they did not play better defensively last week against the Rams, and obviously the Rams special teams unit at the end there gave them an opportunity to win the football game because you have to believe that they punted at the end of that game there. You gave Russell Wilson an opportunity to win the game. Chances are that team was going to win the game, go right down the field, and kick a, kick a last-second field goal and win the ballgame. Kick a last-second field goal, but Russell Wilson was tremendous, over 300-yard passing, 100 yards on the ground. So that's why I think uh, Jeff Fisher made the right call going for it because you're probably not – your defense really couldn't stop anyone in Seattle. No, it uh, took, I mean, took a uh, lot of guts to make that St. call Lewis. last week. Yeah. And paid off for the Rams, and now Seattle finds themselves in a situation where they have to go on the road and try and get a win over a team that a lot of people thought was a possible Super Bowl contender. Now, all of a sudden, you take away a lot of Cam Newton's weapons. This team has struggled offensively, and their defense hasn't been as good as it was last season. I think one thing Carolina didn't uh, contri- didn't think about, maybe didn't think about, but didn't think it would be that as big of an impact as it was, losing Steve Smith and not bringing him back and letting him go. He was a huge safety blanket for Cam Newton in this offense. He's not there anymore. And, you know, putting in what they have now, it just it, the pieces haven't matched up. I agree with you, Dan. And you look at the Seattle Seahawks offense, and they run the ball on average for over 150 yards per game. The Carolina Panthers defense is allowing almost 140 yards on the ground. So Seattle should be able to go in there and really run the football, pound the rock inside. And, you know, if I had to make a pick, which we'll obviously we'll have the opportunity to do later on for the pigskin pickums, you got to like Seattle's chances in that game. Absolutely. We'll take a look at another game right here, a game that's going to be taking place in Tampa Bay. You have the Minnesota Vikings and the Bucks. That game's at 1 o'clock on Fox. And you look at this Minnesota team, a lot of question marks surrounding them. They obviously are without Adrian Peterson still. Teddy Bridgewater has been in and out of the lineup due to injuries and really don't know what the Vikings are. And the Bucks. They've been so inconsistent throughout the season. They're not a very good team either. Yeah, both teams have struggled. This could be an MW game of the this week. It could be an MW game of the week. One thing I think Minnesota, 
I think when Bridgewater's been in there and healthy, I've liked what I've seen out of him. I, I think. But, I, but but another thing is, you know, let's be honest here. They thought they were going to have Adrian Peterson coming into the season, one of the best running backs, arguably in well the best, arguably the best running back in the NFL and right that now. Helps a rookie quarterback. And that helps a rookie yeah. quarterback. We saw it with Mark Sanchez getting back to your original point about that Jets team. Absolutely, you, you have an offense around a rookie quarterback, and then you don't have him in the lineup. And, you, you know, your best receiver, you know, you got Cordell Patterson, and you have Greg Jennings for a rookie quarterback. There's no running game to go off of. There's no play action to work off of. So I think that's why what I've seen out of Bridgewater when he's been healthy and been in there, it's got to be impressive. But Tampa Bay is awful. Tampa Bay is just up and down. They're all over the place. We spent time ripping them, ripping the people that said Tampa Bay was going to be I didn't get it. Team. I didn't get and it. They said it last year, too, when Revis was there. And they, oh, they, they were, were awful. last year with awful. Chiano as well. So, you know, the Bucks are the Bucks have been a mess. They've been an inconsistent mess. And, you know, overall, they're just not a very good football team, a team that we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about on this show. And then another game you have at 1 o'clock on CBS, Baltimore at Cincinnati. Two very good football teams and two teams going at it in the same division. Who do you like in this game, and what are some of your thoughts on it? Well, I think Baltimore. I really like Baltimore. I think the, I wasn't high on them at the beginning of the season, but I think they've kind of come together offensively. Joe Flacco's, you know, after not playing a great season last year, coming off the Super Bowl win, maybe a Super Bowl hangover. How great did he play last week? He was, he's been so good the last Five four weeks. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think in the first half. In the first That's half. I mean, they put crazy. up 28 points just like that. So I, I think what I've seen out of Joe Flacco in the last four or five weeks He's really shown me that he is not. He wasn't just a one-year Super Bowl wonder. He really came back after, a, like I said, tough year last year. He's playing well this year. And again, they thought they'd have Ray Rice in the lineup coming into the season, at least at some point. And obviously, that's not going to happen there without their star running back. So more on Ray Rice when we get to the buy or sell segment. But you know, you mentioned Joe Flacco. He's been a very inconsistent quarterback, but at the end of the day, he's always going to have that Super Bowl ring for that's how well he played in that postseason. That's right. And like I said, last year, a down year, he's really played well this year. He really has. And I think that if he continues to play well, they're a serious contender in the playoffs. And you mentioned Steve Smith leaving the Panthers and the impact he's that been he's huge. had on you know, that team. You look at the impact that Steve Smith coming over from the Panthers to the Ravens and the impact he's had on Joe Flacco and that offense. And you can clearly see that Steve Smith still has enough talent to help a team win games, and he's been great for them. He's been fantastic for him. He has he has added a dimension, not only the deep ball, but you know the slant patterns over the middle, breaking tackles. Even as a you know in his high thirties, been in the league for a long time, he he's added something to that offense that they've needed. And talking about Cincinnati for a moment here, Cincinnati always has a very good regular season. They're usually in the playoffs, but until Cincinnati does something in the playoffs. I'm not going to be too high on them. I got to see Andy Dalton win a playoff game. He's 0 4 right now. I got to see this team win a big game in a big spot. They had the they had the opportunity two weeks ago against New England to really cause an uproar against the Patriots after they got destroyed by Kansas City on Monday Night Football. They return home Sunday Night Football, and the and the Bengals going into the Foxborough just laid an egg and got blown out by the Pats. So. Until I see the Bengals win a big game in a big spot, I'm not big on the Cincinnati Bengals. I know a lot of people think they're a good team, and they are. They're a very good team. But until they do it in the playoffs, I'm not buying into the Bengals, and I'm not buying into Andy Dalton and that team. Well, I, I agree with you to a certain degree. I think they are a very good football team. But, you know, they like the Atlanta Falcons, they haven't had much success in the playoffs. For whatever the reason is, they haven't been able to, to pick up playoff win. I think, you know, Matt Ryan, uh, only one playoff win, and, and he's been in there almost every year besides last year when – you know, they had an abysmal season and went 4-12. and 12. So uh, I think they are a very good team. But like you, like I said, to put them over the top, put them one of the you know upper echelon teams in the AFC, they got to pick up some playoff wins. Houston at Tennessee, and the Texans have just fallen off. That debacle on Monday night against the Steelers was painful to, painful to watch. They gave up 21 points in two minutes. Absolutely you know, crazy what went on at Heinz Field. And, you know, the Texans, they have J.J. Watt, but they've just beaten themselves. And you, know, you feel bad for Watt. He's been playing at such a high level, but he really doesn't have a lot of pieces behind him. And, you know, when you beat yourselves in the NFL, you're not going to win many times. If you turn the football over, and we know this being Jet fans, you're not going to win in the NFL. You yeah. cannot give teams extra possession, Espe especially in your own zone at your own 10 or ten or 20-yard line, which they were doing to the Steelers. Yeah, their own five they turned it over uh, on Monday night, and the f twice in, in the, late in the, in, the first, in the first half. You can't do that. You're not going to win games. I mean, they led the game 13 to nothing. But, uh, you know, they just couldn't do it. And Houston, again, nice team. They really they, – they, they missed Jadavian Clowney on defense. It has shown significantly, you know, who knows what he's going to be. But they need that impact. They need that size up front. They have to get him back hopefully within the next couple of weeks, they're saying. But, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick – who knows? He's you know, he, he's a, he's a, he's a placeholder right yeah, now, a quarterback. He's, so. not, he's not their long-term answer, obviously. And 
But you look at this Texas team going forward, and J.J. Watt, we, a lot of talk about him possibly being an MVP candidate for the type of season he's having, and he's obviously been tremendous for this Texans team. Think about how good that team can be when you put Clowney on the, on the other side. You have a first overall pick in Clowney. Well, that's why they picked Watt. him, yeah. You can't double-team both of them, so they're going to have one-on-one opportunities to really get get after the quarterback, and you see what Watt's doing now while he's being double and even sometimes triple team. So the future's bright for the Texans if they find a quarterback, but that's most teams in the NFL. And they got to find a quarterback, and they have to find some sort of uh, you know pair of receivers put around Andre Johnson. He's a guy that, you know, he he's t- he's tailed off over the last two or three seasons, Andre he's Johnson. Older. He's, he's old getting player. older. You know, he's past the prime. They're going to need to put, you know, whoever the quarterback is in the future for Houston, put a receiving core around him. And then you have another very good game. This one is an NFC battle, of, you know, former matchup of two teams that met in the NFC Championship game not too long ago. You have the Philadelphia Eagles, who are going to be in Glendale, Arizona, to take on the Cardinals. And, you know, I think a very good game. You have two good teams. The, the Eagles come in, obviously, fresh off some nice victories, fresh off their bye week. Like two weeks ago, they played the Giants and shut them out on Sunday Night Football. So the Eagles come in playing good football. And then the Cardinals now have Carson Palmer back starting for them. So they look like a team that, after winning 11 games a season ago, has picked up right where they left off. And they've been very solid this season. So you have two good football teams battling it out in the desert. And you know, for me, this will tell us a lot about whatever team wins this game. Tell us a lot about the Eagles if they win and what type of team they are going forward. Because I think a lot of people think the Eagles are a very good team. I don't know wh- where we think they are as far as the elite teams in the league. Can we put the Eagles in that conversation? Wins like this go a long way towards building a resume to be in that type of discussion. Well, that's something that you know we're going to have to see. You know, speaking with Eagles fans and you know, even that go here at Ithaca College, they're not high. On Nick Foles, you know they don't. You know Nick Foles is garbage. Nick Foles is not the answer at quarterback. Honestly, I think he is the answer at quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Has he made a lot of mistakes this year? Has he been perfect? Has he been as good as he's been last year? No, but he was near perfect last year in the regular season after Vic went down and he became the clear cut starter. I, I I think if you're an Eagles fan, you have to be very happy with what you're seeing out of Nick Foles. He controls this offense. They have a good offense. They're able to pick up wins. They're able to find ways to win. And they're coming off a fresh off a beautiful victory over the Giants. At the end of the day, the Eagles are five and one right now. So there's only so much you could complain about. Nick Foles is seventh in the NFL right now in passing yards. Obviously, the Sean McCoy got going against the Giants two weeks ago. The Eagles have a very good offense. The question with the Eagles is always going to be about their defense and can they make a big play in a big spot. That's what we're not sure about. Their offense should be very good. They have obviously one of the best offensive coaches in the in football in Chip Kelly. That's why he's there in the first place. I'm not worried about Nick Foles. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's still developing, too. I think the problem with sports now is everyone wants an answer right away. Nick Foles, I understand he played well last season. That was really his first opportunity to see significant playing time for the Eagles last year. He's only getting an opportunity now uh, in really his second full year as a starter. Got to let Nick Foles continue to develop. He's not like he's playing bad. The team's 5-1, and one, and you're not 5-1 and one unless you have a quarterback making plays at some point. So... For everyone down on Nick Foles, I don't really see it. I know a lot of Eagles fans are down on him, but I think he could be a, he could be a very decent quarterback in this league going forward. I a- agree with you. Absolutely. And, and, you know, talk about Arizona. Carson Palmer and their offense have done a nice job when he's healthy. Obviously, coming back into the he's lineup. very solid. Same very way, solid. People, a couple years ago, people thought Carson Palmer was done. He's been very solid. Obviously, the, when he went to Oakland, that was a disaster. We get it. But since he's been with Arizona, last year he played pretty well. He's been a well. good fit. And so far this season, in that system, he's done a nice job fitting right in, throwing the ball to, obviously, Larry Fitzgerald in that offense has played very well. Yeah, it helps when you're throwing the ball to Larry Fitzgerald. But he has fit in beautifully in that offense. And they're, they're a team in the NFC. Well, their defense is outstanding. It gives you a chance to win. Their defense is outstanding. If they could put up, you know, 20, 22, 23 points a game, they have a beautiful chance of winning every week. So I, I think if you're on Arizona's side, this is going to be a good matchup. And then Philadelphia Eagles coming off a bye week, beautiful win off the Giants on Sunday Night Football. They're looking in good shape, too. And the key for this game, of course, putting pressure on Nick Foles. If you are the Cardinals, the Eagles are allowing the most sacks in the NFL. Actually, they're 30th in the, in the NFL, so they're near the bottom in the league at allowing sacks. So if that Eagles offensive line breaks down, then Nick Foles could be in for a long day. But we mentioned it before, this Cardinals defense is very solid. So that's a game I want to watch. That's a game I'm very interested in. You have two very good NFC teams going at it. Two very good NFC teams going at it. Two teams that possibly could meet later on in the playoffs, in all seriousness. Absolutely. And then another game we got to get to, Indianapolis is going to be taking on the Steelers. Not big on the Steelers. I understand they won Monday night against the Texans. They got the a Texans, gift. They got a gift. The Texans handed them that game. They were dominating in that first half. They should have been up at least 13-3 to going into the locker room. Instead, 
Yeah, what was it, 21-7? 21-13. Yeah, it's 21-point swing. Yeah. I mean, you can't win. You, you have no chance of coming back well, actually, in the second half. It was 24 because they had a field goal at Tw- that point. So, yeah, so 20, so, yeah. So, so 21-3, it was 24-13. Well, it was 13-0, tw- and then, right, so 24-point swing. I, you, you're not going to win like that in the NFL. I mean, you have n- they had no chance in the second half, and you saw how heated Bill O'Brien was in the, after the game. I mean, you have no chance of winning when you give up 24 points in – Three and a half minutes. And I just think Andrew Luck and this Colts team will be able to handle the Steelers. I'm just not impressed with the Steelers. I don't think they're that good. I, really I don't either. I said it from the beginning of the season. I think if they do not make the playoffs this year, if they, if they are 7-9 and nine or 8-18 and 18 next year, Mike Tomlin won't lose his job, but he's going to come in the hottest coach on the hot seat next year, coming in next year. He'll be up there. What helps him is obviously the fact that the guy's been to you know two Super Bowls as the head coach. But, this, but then this would them. be three three or four straight years where they, they've been well, kind of— Well, they don't make the playoffs this year, is it three straight years without being in the playoffs that I can think of? Mm-hmm. Not sure if it's it's definitely two in a row. They didn't make it last year. Whether I don't remember exactly where they were two years ago. They, I don't think they made it the year before. So that either. so figure they were nine and seven two years ago. Didn't make it. Then nine and seven, eight and eight last year. What are they going to finish this year? They seem to be around a five hundred team. He, he's very well. Mike Tomlin could be on the hot seat next year. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be that surprised. I don't think we're at that point just yet. But I'm just not very big on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And two more games to get to. You have Oakland at Cleveland, and Oakland obviously got. It has been playing a little better. I've been really impressed with Derek Carr, all things considered. I like Derek Carr. I think he's been able to make some plays for this Oakland Raiders team. And I think going forward, they might have a quarterback there. And then, of course, you have Cleveland. And Cleveland, tough, tough loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars, a game they probably needed to win for people to really start believing into them. But when you lose to a bad team like Jacksonville that doesn't have a win, people immediately get down on you. And, I mean, I don't think this will happen right away, but you already had people saying, should Johnny Manziel start this week? And, I don't think that you could go to Manziel right away, even though Hoyer did not play particularly well last week. I don't think it's Johnny football time. I think you got to let Brian Hoyer ride it out. The season's still having a very nice season so far. You gotta, until Hoyer collapses and falls apart, you got to leave him in. And as far as Oakland concerned, Derek Carr's looked very good the last couple weeks. I, really, I, know, I, really like I know they don't have much to show for it, but they're not very good. The Raiders aren't very good. But Derek Carr's been able to move the ball down the field. You know, He's improved uh, vastly since the week one loss to the Jets. Obviously, being the Jets' only one on the season, but I think he's developed nicely, and I think you know he's doing exactly what they want him to do, as in developing and and for a second round pick, really one of the better rookie quarterbacks in football. Green Bay at New Orleans. This game is the Sunday night football game, and a desperate game for the Saints. Saints but have to thing, win. You look at that division. Who I in that division is so great. The Saints no one, are, but the Saints are two and four. They technically could lose and still be okay, but there comes a certain point where you do need to pick up wins, and it's not going to be easy against the Packers on Sunday night football. Yeah, I, I think this is a must win for the Saints, and I know, I know they're they're in it, but I think two and five as just far as a team morale, I don't think they bounce back and win and come back. You know, to I think at the end of that division, it's going to take thing, though, ten wins to win that division. Who's winning that division? The Falcons, the Panthers. I think no the, one wants the, the the Bucks aren't. No one well, wants the NFL. Well, I think the best team in the division is still Carolina. I know that doesn't say that much, but the Saints have played terrible yeah, this year. Three and three, Carolina's three and three. So think about it. If they how bad is Carolina going to play the rest of the way? That that's what you have to really think about it because the Saints are going to have to pick up wins somehow. Two and they fall here. They're two and five. I think this is a this is a win where if you're Drew Brees in this offense, I I think it's as close to a must win as they have. I think it, I think this is a game where they cannot fall to two and five. I don't think two and five. I think at two and five, I know they're they're still right in it, but I think as a team morale, I think it's going to be very tough for them to to pick up wins later on in the season. And then you have the Packers who come in winning four straight since Aaron Rodgers told yeah. everyone to relax, as he said, and Rodgers is having some season, man. 18 touchdowns, only one interception. He's just been on fire. He's clearly, in my opinion, the best overall quarterback in, in, in football for from a skill set perspective with what he does but so less. Because you really look at the Packers team, they're not a great team. They have a great quarterback, and that makes everyone everyone else around you much better. And, you know, you, you look at Peyton Manning in Denver. Manning has a great team that's with him. He has an outstanding defense. He's got very good wide receivers. You look at the Packers, they have a couple very nice playmakers, and, of course, they have Aaron Rodgers, and that gives you a chance to win every single week. Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks in football. The two best quarterbacks in football this year, in my opinion, uh, Philip Rivers and Aaron Rodgers, hands down, have been the two best quarterbacks in football so far. And then Geno Smith. Of course, Geno. Geno has been uh, outstanding for the New York Jets. Geno, but no, but in all seriousness, Philip Rivers and Aaron Rodgers, two best quarterbacks. But Aaron Rodgers has been unbelievable since he told everyone to relax. You're right. Maybe Geno Smith should tell everyone Maybe, to relax. I think he would be driven out of town if he told everyone <laughs> to relax. you imagine Geno Smith telling people to relax? They jumped, <laughs> they jumped him for uh, his comments about the New York media in the, the conference call before the Patriots game with the New England media. 
Yeah, he told everyone to relax. Now nah, he should. <laughs> he should. Maybe that. Maybe that, if that'll make him play better, he could tell everyone to relax. If Gino could do anything that will make him play better, that'd be wonderful. And obviously, part of that might be Percy Harvin, which we keep saying we'll get to. We promise we will get to a little bit later on. And finally, the Monday night football game this week: Washington taking on Dallas. You have Colt McCoy starting. Colt baby for the Redskins. Colt forty-five. RG three isn't ready yet, and obviously Kirk Cousins. Everyone was so high on him. He's been very ineffective since he really took over the job. And of course, Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys. Look at them coming in, and they lose their first game. They won, I think, now six straight from that point on. They're six. At, they're six and one this season. A lot of people talking about them as possibly the best team in the NFL. And I don't know if I'll go that far, but they clearly have been so impressive this season. Demarco Murray, seven straight games where he's ran for over a hundred yards, and of course, Tony Romo has been great. Des Bryant has been outstanding. And for all the talk about how bad this Dallas Cowboys defense has been, you know. They've been pretty solid so far this season. You got to give them credit. Been pretty solid out. You know, winners of six straight. But when you look at their schedule, we talked about it. Washington, they could easily be run off nine and one, and then you're definitely talking about them as one of the best teams of football. I think right now they're playing like the well, best. Well, we team mentioned. Of football. I think coming up they have uh, the Redskins. I think they have Jacksonville. They have. They have the, I think it's the Redskins. Then they have Arizona, which is a challenging game, but a game they could still win. Okay. And then they have um, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. So. You know, if they win against the Redskins, you think they'd at least go two and one in that. If they go at least two and one, so you're talking eight and two, eight and two or nine and one. That's so. still one of the best teams in football, and for it, they haven't been this good since the year the Giants beat them in the divisional round in 2007. Yeah, but I think what the only thing that's holding people back from Dallas being is Dallas is Dallas and Tony Romo in December. What if we get if we get into December and Tony Romo is playing like he is the last couple weeks? I think people will quiet down about the Dallas Cowboys not being for real because that's what it comes down to. Will Tony Romo screw up? When will Tony Romo screw up? That's what everyone's waiting for. I don't know if he'll do it this year. No, I think they're a good enough team where, you know, if they're in a situation where they might not need to play down the stretch. They might already be at least a wild card. That's a nice luxury. And, you know, we talked about how important it is to get home field advantage in the playoffs if you're Seattle. Well, if Dallas has home field advantage and they get that bye week, that can go a long way helping them, too, if they're playing in Dallas, have an opportunity to win one game, then you're already in the NFC Championship game. That's the type of season they're having right now because you said it, Dan. They go 9-1, and you start thinking about home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Absolutely. You start thinking about one win NFC Championship game, and that's so big. If you could win your division and you could – Possibly home field advantage if you, if they're the best record in the NFC. You're talking about a team, couple couple of home playoff games, and you're talking about a Super Bowl. So I, I think that this is the best position Dallas has been in a long time, and I think Tony Romo's playing arguably the best football of his career. I agree with you. So that's gonna end our first segment of the show, the Week Eight NFL season breakdown. We're gonna come back. We're gonna dive into the Jets game against the Bills this weekend. Will the Jets win a football game finally? And of course, the Giants are on the bye, but we'll reflect on their first half of the season. Obviously, they have a lot of things going bad for them right now. We'll break it all down when we come back right after this. You are listening to the Asman and Butte podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. Back right here on the Asman and Butte show, Football Frenzy Week 8. Hard to believe it. Once again, it is Week 8 of the NFL season, and for the Giants, it's their bye week, and obviously they come into their bye week off some difficult losses to two divisional opponents. And Dan, last or two weeks ago on the show, we talked about how important it was for the Giants to handle the top six-game stretch coming up, uh, a six-game stretch where, of course, they have the Eagles. They lost it. Dallas, they lost that game. So now they're 0-2 in that six-game stretch. They still have Seattle coming up. They still have the Niners coming up. And then they have Dallas again. So you listen to the Giants team right now that – not off to a good start. They haven't looked good the past two weeks, and now they go into the bye week at three and four, struggling right now, both offensively and defensively. Struggling offensively and defensively, but I don't think you could be that surprised if you're you're looking at the Giants on the outside looking in. We we knew they were going to struggle offensively. We knew that coming in. They were terrible in the preseason. Yeah, they had success, but we talked about it at the last. We got to see it we against talked some good about teams. It. We yeah. got to see it against some good teams, and the two best teams they face, they've lost to, and they got beat up bad against Philadelphia. They played a little better. Uh, against the Cowboys, but you know what? It, it was a type of game where they needed to play their best football, and they didn't. And I think we saw that. You know, we, the Giants are pretty iffy team. Uh, you know, not necessarily. They're a, a 500 a team. team. I mean, we, they're we a 500 the season, team. They're probably you know they look like an eight and eight team. If it looks like an eight and eight team, it smells like an eight and eight team. They probably are an eight and eight team. That's what they are. They're three and four right now. Their schedule is very tough. They might lose a couple more games, and then it gets a little easier at the back end, so they can pick up some wins there. But I haven't seen anything from the Giants yet that tells me that they're this outstanding football team. They look pretty middle of the pack, pretty average. If you really break things down, and obviously 
you know, last time we did we did the show, Victor Cruz was still playing for the Giants, and of, of course, course the injury. his injury against the Eagles really I think hurt them last week offensively. I thought when they needed the big play at the end of the day, they didn't really have a guy that they could rely on to make. Beckham has played well since he's come back from his injury in the preseason. But at the end of the day, you're relying on a rookie right now. You have a tight end that doesn't have a lot of experience in Larry Donnell. You know, the Giants right now are very inconsistent. And defensively, they have not been as good as I think a lot of people thought they could be this season. And you look at their offense when you lose Victor Cruz. There's no veteran leadership besides Eli Manning as a, as a skill position player on this team. You know, uh, Victor Cruz you know, went on with uh, Michael Kay a couple days ago and said, well, uh, you know, I hope you know, Larry, um Ruben Randall's going to step up. I mean, Ruben Randall's a guy that hasn't shown that he's an above a third third receiver on a team. He's going to step up and be the leader of this offense. So I just don't think when you talk about the veteran leadership outside of Eli Manning offensively, there's not much there for the Giants. They really are going to miss Victor Cruz, especially as the season winds you know, into that long hole. When you're playing teams like Seattle, you mentioned it, the 49ers, you're going to need that veteran leadership. Outside of Manning, the Giants just don't have it. And you look at this Giants team. Who who are they going to beat? Are they going to beat Seattle? Are they going to beat San Francisco? Are they going to beat Dallas? You know, we just saw them get beat by Dallas. We just saw them. Uh, Not if Dallas is playing the way they are. Yeah, we and we just saw them get beat by the Eagles. Those are two teams in their division that they're chasing. And you know, the NFC is so good that I don't think that they can win a wild card. So I think they're going to have to win the division if they're going to make the playoffs. And I just don't see it right now unless they get significantly better fast. They had Victor Cruz then maybe, but I just think losing Victor Cruz is such a big injury to that football team. If you had to pick one guy on offense besides obviously Eli Manning that get, that you wouldn't want to get hurt and miss the season, it'd probably be Victor Cruz. In fact, you know it would be Victor Cruz. So about as bad as an injury as you could ask for, you know, if you're a Giants fan. It's unfortunate because Victor Cruz is obviously the unsung leader of that team, a guy that they count on. And, of course, at the end of the day, he's their best playmaker, and they're going to go without him the rest of the way, and that's going to really hurt this team. It's going to hurt them. I like what I've seen out of Larry Donnell, but again, he's young. They're they're so young offensively. You know, their best receiver is a rookie, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. So, and he's only had very limited time. You know, he hasn't seen a top-notch defense yet. I mean, see, I like Cowboys have played pretty well. You know, Philadelphia's defense is not very good. I, I don't. I don't. So when they come in, they're playing real good team. They're playing a Seattle defense. You know, I the, the veteran leadership out of the skill position is. I don't see it there, and I, they're going to have trouble finding wins. And they're gonna, like we said in the preseason. This is a team that's offensively challenged, and seven games into the season, I haven't seen anything different. And you know, we all said that it was going to be you know a big learning curve for Eli to learn this offense, but. Hard to learn an offense if you don't have talent around you, and the Giants don't exactly have the greatest offensive line. They don't have the greatest. They have a terrible game offensive right line. You know, Rashad Jennings has been in and out of the lineup, of course, and then you have, you know, a, a, a rookie that they're relying on from Boston College to take a lot of their carries. And you know, at the end of the day, the Giants' offensive line isn't exactly, you know, the 2009 Jets' offensive line, for example, or even the Cowboys' offensive line this season. So they're not exactly giving Eli Manning all the time in the world. And of course, we've already talked about Victor Cruz, but you need guys to be able to step up and. Right now, offensively, you don't know if they have the talent, but I think the biggest thing about the Giants right now is you haven't been getting a lot of production from this defense. You look at John Beeson going down due to injury. He might miss the, the rest of the season. They might shut him down and have him have surgery. And then, of course, you look at the secondary, and they've kind of underperformed, especially Dominic Rogers, Camardi. They gave him all that money to come in, and the free agent acquisition hasn't exactly played very well for this team. Yeah, and they spent the most money out of any team in free agency this year. And at 3-4... and four, they should be a lot better than three. When you spend the most money out of any team in free agency, you should be a lot better well, than five hundred. Part of it's because they got very old and they had a lot of holes, and you can't fill every hole through the draft. But the they did spend a lot of money on yeah, free agency. But they didn't make any marquee moves. Their biggest move was probably signing Cromartie. They signed Cromartie. Jennings. They did, a and little. he hasn't played well. They, they they they've done a little bit, but at the end of the day, the Giants did not exactly you know bring in these world beer free agents. They spent a lot of money on free agency because they brought in so many different guys. But you know, you, at the end of the day, this team is just not. I, not not very good. They're not bad, but they're average. They're I think average. They're, they're and they are what they are. What we we thought they Eli were. Eli Manning makes them an average football team because at the end of the day, Eli's still a very good quarterback. But it's hard to expect Eli Manning going to carry a football team, in, especially in the NFC, without the, the without the talent around him, without the running game, without the receivers, and without a defense they can really rely on. It's tough to expect you know a quarterback to go in there and get you ten wins and get you into the playoffs. I don't know if that's going to happen. It's going to it's going to be tough, especially like you mentioned Seattle coming up, 49ers if they, if coming up. If they lose to Seattle, the Niners and Dallas, they're done. They're done. They're not going to come I, back down from that. I yeah, I agree with you. And I I don't they can't go into Seattle and we win. Said they're they not had, Dallas. They can't go into Seattle. We said and they win. had to go probably 3 and 3 during the stretch and they already went 0 and 2. They already lost to Dallas and they already lost to the Eagles. So coming up they still have you know challenging games the rest of the way. It's going to be we it's going to be tough. Those games. You have Dallas again at the end. You have 
San Francisco. You have Seattle. It's going to be very tough for this Giants it's team. Gonna, it's going to be a tough road for the Giants. And then you switch to the Jets, the other New York team, a team that gave New England a battle on Thursday night. And we don't want to spend too much time breaking down that game because by now we all know what happened. The Jets blew it at the end with the two-point conversion with Geno. All things considered, however, I was actually kind of impressed with the way Geno played. He kept, he kept his composure. That last drive, he looked very good under the circumstances. But one thing I want to harp on because I'm tired of it every single week is the Jets' clock management. Using the timeouts early in the second yeah, half. Yeah, it cost them. He used two of them right away. And by the fourth quarter, when you really could have used the timeout, driving down at the end of the field there, when your 58-yard field goal attempt gets blocked, you had a time attitude there. You could take a couple more shots down the field. You're probably in better position, and that kick, that that block does not happen. You kick the field goal, you probably win and pull off the upset on the road. But you know, once again, the Jets find ways to lose football games. They didn't turn the ball over, but the clock management was a big reason why they lost. Now you're coming at one and six. You trade for Percy Harvin, and you're playing the Bills this week. A Bills team that is without. There's two starting running backs. C.J. Spiller is not going to be back to at least week 16. Fred Jackson's going to miss a couple weeks. So the one thing the Jets can't do is stop the pass. They need to stop Sammy Watkins, and they come into this game knowing that the Buffalo's not really going to be able to run the football against them. There's no excuse for the Jets. They're 1-6. They're at home. If they don't win this week, I don't know when they're going to win because they, things can start to really spiral out of control. This is a big game for the Jets to get back on track and a big game going forward because if the Jets finish strong here, you can make a case for Rex to still keep his job. We talked about it off the air before. Yeah, I think it's going to have to start this week. This is the opportunity the Jets could get their second win. You mentioned it. No running game And they have a soft schedule, Buffalo. so start stringing no, some games together. Exactly, and this is the game where you really want to get If you could put a pass rush on Kyle Orton and you just don't turn over the goddamn football. If the Jets protect the football this week against Buffalo, they'll have a much easier time in a game where they didn't turn the ball over on Thursday night and lost. And dominate and, the time, and dominate the time yeah. possession. If they play like that, they should be able to win this game. But again, you, it comes back to Geno. If Geno could just play well and don't turn over the football, and their defense could hold the fourth down, and they should have a they should they should win this game. Yeah, this, Gino, should, this should be the game where they pick up their second Gino win. Geno Smith played his first turnover-free football game last Thursday, and they still lost. So this is a team coming in that at one and six has nothing to lose. Geno needs to play an efficient football game, and the Jets should be able to run the football on the Bills. They were able to do it on the Patriots, run the football on the Bills. Dominate the time of possession. Get a pass rush when you know this team is only going to be able to throw the football because they're without their two best running backs. They're without C.J. Spiller, who usually kills the Jets, and they're without Fred Jackson, who's a very good player. That hurts. And hopefully Sammy Watkins doesn't step in and, and kill the and Jets yeah, in the that's why game. That, you, you got to be worried about you, that. You do, and you have to be able to game plan for that. You ha I know the Jets' secondary stinks and is awful, but at the end of the day, you know they're throwing the football, and you know they're going to go to Sammy Watkins. Contain Sammy Watkins. I'm not saying you have to shut him down. But contain him. Kyle Orton should not be able to beat you. If you get a pass rush on Kyle Orton, it's not like Aaron Rodgers. If, if Kyle Orton plays like – if Kyle Orton was under center when the Jets played the Packers, the Jets win that game. It was because the dominant – the greatness of Aaron Rodgers and the play of Jay Cutler is why when the Jets really outplayed some of those teams early on in the season, they still ended up losing. Now it's Kyle Orton. You have no excuse if you lose to Kyle Orton on Sunday at home. And this is a game – this is a must win for the Jets. There's no doubt about it. At one and six, if you're going to get your second win, if you're going to win – it's going to happen if this week. If you're trying to save your coach's job, it's a must win for the Jets. It's a mu we'll, we'll see what happens. And obviously, talking about the Percy Harvin move now, from the Jets' standpoint, we briefly touched on it at the opening, but you know, getting back to it, I love the move for the Jets. You're giving up a, a six-round pick to bring him in from the Seahawks. He's a guy that allows him to come in, be the number one wide receiver. You slot Decker at the number two, which is really what he is, a very good number two, a low-end number one. And you see Eric Decker, he's played great with Geno. You give him an opportunity to maybe get less double coverage. Percy Harvin has the opportunity to stretch the field a little bit and open up the rest of your offense. And, of course, the Jets also signed Jeremy Curley to a four-year extension uh, the other day. So that helps his team going forward as well, knowing that you have three really good receivers signed in their proper roles. And, of course, you have the rookie tight end Jason Morrow. So the Jets have weapons now. Percy Harvin certainly helps that. Now it's on Geno Smith with weapons to prove if he's the franchise quarterback going forward. There's no excuses for Geno anymore. He has to show us what he has going forward if he wants to, you know, come into next year as a starter. Because if not, with possibly a new coach, the Jets are going to be looking for a new quarterback and moving on. And I think they will be looking for a new quarterback. At least I, I think they will be looking for a new quarterback and moving on. I just don't think Geno's the guy. Uh, I just, I just don't think. I just the, where this season's going, unless he turns it around. Does a, a full, you know, 360 turnaround, turns this complete, turns this thing completely around. I think it's going to be very tough for Geno Smith to be the Jets starter. But, you know, I think John Idzik made a good move bringing in uh, Percy Harvin. You don't really have anything to lose. Uh, he's a good receiver, a very good receiver. He had some issues, whatever, in Seattle. You know what? 
add some add some depth to the receiving core, try to turn this thing around and try to rack off some wins and show that, you know, you are giving Geno Smith uh, some some targets to go to because now you, you, you strengthen your offense that much further when you could bring in a dynamic offensive player like Percy Harvin. Well, so we'll no, see. There's no excuses for Geno Smith now. He has weapons. He has some talent. He's shown flashes of being a good quarterback in the NFL. Prove it. You have a, a very soft schedule. You have a bunch of winning wi- winnable games coming up. Play efficient football and win the football game and win these games like you did at the end of last season with Geno Smith. He won the you know the Jets the last two games. He played great in the last four games that the Jets had a year ago, and he played very well in the preseason. And we thought he was starting to turn the corner and really continue to develop. Didn't happen. so far this season. He really hasn't been that much better than he was last year. So we've seen he's been worse. I mean, he's been worse. We, and he hasn't been worse if you look at statistically his team. His team around him hasn't I really done that much. But Geno Smith, has I think not he's taken, played worse. He hasn't been. If you look at his numbers, he's played you know around the same, if not a little better turnover from where he was to the back end of last season, he has digressed. From where it looked like he was moving forward, he has played he's worse. Been, he's been the same inconsistent Geno. He's shown signs where he's played very well, and he's been very bad overall. Yeah. And he's been pretty much like he was when he, he was a rookie, if only a little better. You need him to take another big step. And you know, I don't know for, if it's going to happen. For weeks, we heard about the excuse now that the Jets didn't have talent to properly evaluate him. Well, now Percy Harvin, Eric Decker, Jeremy Curley, Jason Morrow, Chris Ivory in that running game. No excuses now. Geno Smith has got to play better if he wants to prove that he is a quarterback going forward. You have, I keep saying it. You have winnable games coming up. Prove, go out there and prove it and win some win well, some of these games and play well, and we'll start to evaluate this team a lot differently. I mean, I've, I've been very disappointed in the way Geno's played, but you're right. He hasn't had the, the best targets around him and the best offense around him. They haven't. It's been better than last year, but that doesn't say that much because last year they were statistically the worst, in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinion, they were the worst offense in football last year. They couldn't do anything. Except for the last couple of weeks of the season when they started to put some points on the board in a couple of mop-up games, finished the season at 8-8. Eight and eight. You come in this year, he's looked bad. Other, besides week one and last week, he's looked pretty bad. You add Percy Harvin. Let's see. Let, you know, at, at one and six, you really you have nothing to lose That's if the, you're the and Jets. That, and getting final thoughts on the Percy thing, just getting to that. At the end of the day, the Jets traded a six-round pick for a guy that signed till 2018. So if he plays well, you gave up a six-round pick for a guy not too long ago, just a year and a half ago, was traded for by the Seattle Seahawks, and they gave up a first, a third, a fifth, a fifth, and they signed him to a new contract to keep this guy in Seattle for what they thought was going to be a long time. So at the end of the day, really low risk, high reward move. If he comes in and he, and he doesn't play well, or he, he's a problem, he won't be headache, back next year. You cut him. You gave up a six round pick. That's nothing. If he does play well and he's on your team going forward, then you can start building around Harvin, Decker, Curley, Amaro. That's solid. The bottom line is though, Jets need to find out they have a quarterback. So if anything, at the end of the day, this hopefully will allow. Jeff fans and the Jets organization to know what they have in quarterback Geno Smith. Time will tell, but for Rex Ryan and the Jets, well, Rex Ryan better hope that Geno Smith plays a lot better. The only way for Rex to keep his job is for the Jets to probably string together, you know, maybe go, uh, you know, six and three down the stretch now. Yeah. Five and four, maybe get you if you go six and ten. Just, you're in such a bad hole that it, it's like it's kind of. At one and six, it's tough, but it starts this week. You got to go one game at a time, and obviously a big win over Buffalo could maybe jumpstart you going forward, pick up some wins. Yep, well, that's what they better hope, and I think that's why they brought in Percy Harvin now because you have a softer schedule coming up, and you're able to maybe implement him in the offense against a couple of the weak day, defenses. The season's about finding out at this point anyway if you have a quarterback, and Percy Harvin hopefully allows the Jets to be able to do that, and. Dan, you said it. Time will definitely tell. But what we're going to do right now is we are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to bring on our producer, Jake Chernock, for the buy or sell segment. We are going to be back right here on the Asman Budic Show right after this. You are listening to the Asman and Budic Podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. All right, back here on the Asman and Budic Show Football Frenzy Week number 8. We now bring on our producer, Jake Chernock. Jake, how are you? I am swell. How are you, Jake? You know, we're doing fantastic, and doing it's my right. favorite. We should have said, Dan, how are you doing? I'm, I'm well, man. I'm excited for the buy or sell. we got some good questions going on. So, Dan, you said the buy or sell segment every week. For those who don't know, three questions we ask you. You're going to buy it. You're going to sell it. And, of course, it always brings up some fun discussion. But the first question for the buy or sell is, will someone sign or someone will sign Ray Rice if he's el- eligible to play this season? Jake, you could start. Turn off. Do you want me to start? Here you go. Uh, I'll have to sell that. I think that there's no way that someone will touch Ray Rice, even though I think that he's probably still got something left in the tank. He will not have touched the field now, and what is it? Um, and probably almost Long two time. months yeah. now. Yeah, it's yeah. almost been two months now. He won't have touched the field. That's number one. And number two, what a public relations disaster it would be for that team. I could see the Jets doing it, honestly. I mean, 
Sure. Given their PR history, you know what? Not with the way the season's gone. But I could, if if the season was in a completely different area, maybe, maybe, but not. They will not touch him. So then you're buying or selling it? It's a sell. He will play in the NFL again, but I think it's going to be a team where he could start a training camp. He's completely able to play a whole season, and you bring him in for a whole season. He will not come in week 11 and be an impact. He, he's just not going to happen. Well, he, here's the thing. He's already on the decline. If you look at his last three years, his yards per his yards per carry average was going down already. And obviously, Chernock, you mentioned it, he hasn't played. You know, what is it now? Almost two months. Almost so, two months, at yeah. the end of the day, I don't think a team is gonna is gonna sign him. I'm gonna sell it as well. I think however, he will play again, I, however, I agree with you. I think he will play in the NFL. But I think the whole thing with Ray Rice, the only way a team would bring him in is if you have a team like, let's say, the Denver Broncos. They need a running back, and you have Peyton Manning there. You have John Elway there. A team that can handle the handle the pressure, bringing in Ray Rice, handle the PR, the the PR nightmare, as you said, that that could co- potentially come from bringing in a guy like Ray Rice. Bit, I mean, yeah. But I, I, I don't think there's a question. I think it has to be the right following. team. I think Peyton Manning would be the type of player that can handle that. He he could you know bring attention to himself and deflect away from the issue. But I think at the end of the day, I don't know if any team is going to want to take that chance. I don't think Ray Rice will Especially play again that late this season. season yeah, when you're talking about a team that we don't even know if Ray Rice is in shape right no, now. But, no, but think about it. You're a team week eleven, week twelve. You're on the cusp maybe of, of jumping into the playoffs. You bring him in, he could be a nightmare for the lot. It's just it, it's yeah. not something it's I think. It's but here's the thing: thought. it's not like Ray. It's not like Ray Rice is one of the best running backs in the league. He, the guy, he was yeah. a, he's still a good it's not player. Like He's still a good player, but he's still on the decline. He hasn't exactly had the best. He didn't have. Uh, he was on my fantasy team last year, so I would know he didn't exactly have the best season a year ago for the Ravens. So I don't know if you necessarily you're bringing in Ray Rice and you're expecting him to be, you know, 2008, 2009 Ray Rice. I don't know what type of player you're really getting there, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm gonna have to sell it as well. So our next buy or sell question is: Michael Sam will play in an NFL game. I think it's a buy. I think it's going to happen this year too. I think he'll get signed. I think he'll get an opportunity as the season goes on. How many times have we seen, you know, not defensive pass rushers get picked up week ten, week eleven for some burst on a team that could use a pass rush? I think Michael Sam's going to get an opportunity later on in the season. I would have to agree with you uh, there as well, Dan. The guy's clearly got a lot of talent. He was what the 2013 Defensive Player of the Year in the SEC, which we all know is basically the breeding grounds for the NFL. Someone's going to get hurt on some team. And you're exactly right, Dan. Someone's going to take a chance on Michael Sam in the next few weeks, probably. I look forward to seeing him in an NFL game. I'm going to sell it, and I think that he might be signed to another team, maybe another practice squad. You saw Dallas, obviously, sign him to the practice squad before they cut him the other day. But I just don't think he's going to get an opportunity to play in an NFL game, maybe in the future. But I think if any team brings him in, he's going to be brought in for the practice squad. I would be surprised if he plays an NFL game this season. And then, guys, finally, buy or sell a current NFL quarterback or break Peyton Manning's passing touchdown record? It's a tough one. Uh, I can only think of one that could do it. We talked about it. I'm going to say sell just because I think there's so many factors go into throwing for 500 and whatever. Peyton's not even done yet, so who knows where that record's going to be come his career you know, being over with, it's not going to be Brady. It's not. It's not going to be Breeze. It's going to be one of those young quarterbacks. I know who you're going to say, Jake. I'll, I'll let you get to it, but I just think so much goes into that. I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, yeah, it's. T- I'm, I'm going to sell just based on the percentage and that one quarterback, of course, being Andrew Luck. I think he's the next great in this league. I think we see the potential now. We know what type of quarterback this guy is going to be, and of course, for the Indianapolis Colts fans, they go from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, but. You know, that's a discussion for another day, a topic that we always bring up on the show because we're bitter Jet fans. However, I think if anyone is going to do it, it would be luck. But, you know, it's and you made a good point. It's so hard to, you know, project going forward. And Peyton Manning, we don't even – what if that's 600 the way Peyton Manning is playing right now? Exactly, Peyton Manning plays two exactly. or three more years, 30 touchdowns a season. You know, that's almost 600 touchdown passes right there. So it's going to take a lot. And obviously, this is Manning's record for at least years to come. It's going to take luck a very long time to get there if he does it all. Exactly. I'm going to have to sell it as well. I just, I mean, 600 touchdowns is just an absurd no- I It's just a crazy number. We won't, I mean, how many guys got to uh, 500? It was only Brett Favre, right? So, I mean, yeah. it's just absurd. I mean, One such quarterback a drop off. In, a- in the entire history of the NFL, two players have gotten to 500 touchdowns. It's just, it's, it's such so, a rare I mean, achievement. And I was so surprised because I didn't, you know, I never really looked at the numbers, but Tom Brady only has 374 career touchdown passes or whatever it is. And, you know, that, not that that's not a lot of matter, uh, a lot of touch, but think about how many touchdown passes Tom Brady has thrown in his career, mm-hmm. and he's not even close. So I just think it's so t- it's going to be so tough for Luck it's or any so, quarterback it's, it's to get impossible. there. It just shows I mean, it's, you it's, how it's great so of a tough. player Peyton Manning so really is. And how consistent, no how incredible. Like Peyton Manning, and, and he missed a year. Yeah, 
And, yeah, that's the thing. Imagine where he would be. Yeah, yeah. Where, I mean, imagine where he would be. He missed a I year, mean, that's, let's that's say. That's scary thing. I mean, at the minimum, and Peyton Manning averages probably, what, 30, 35 touchdown passes a year. So at the, at the minimum, he would have broke that record early last year at this point. So, you know, he obviously did miss a year, a year in which, you know, the Colts probably would have had, you know, another big year offensively as they did every year under Peyton Manning. But, you know, it just shows you how great of a player Peyton Manning is. And once again, guys, that record's going to be very tough for anyone to break He's going forward. So tough. So Brutal. tough. But that's going to do it for the buy or sell segment. Jake Chernock, thanks for coming on, my man. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Look forward to it every single week. And what we're going to do right now is, speaking of Jake Chernock, we're going to get to his four down segment. This week's four downs with Jake Chernock right now. Now it's time for four downs with Jake Chernock. Starting on first down, last season the Seattle Seahawks allowed the fewest points and fewest yards in the league, and they also forced the most turnovers. They were the first team to do that since the 1985 Chicago Bears. This season, however, the Seahawks defense ranks 19th in points per game and 9th in yards per game, while forcing the fourth fewest turnovers. On second down, Pittsburgh scored 24 points in the span of 2 minutes and 54 seconds to completely change the momentum of their game against the Texans. They had scored 27 points over their previous two games combined. According to the Elias Sports Bureau, the last time an NFL team scored 24 more points in less than three minutes was in week four of 2002, when the Seattle Seahawks posted 28 points in a minute 47 against the Minnesota Vikings. On third down, Sunday's game was the 33rd of Manning's 16-year career with four touchdown passes. He's number one on that list, eight ahead of Drew Brees. And in the 22 games since the start of last season, Manning has four touchdown passes in half of them. No other quarterback has five four-touchdown games in that span. On fourth down, Russell Wilson will be minimally affected by not having Percy Harvin in the huddle in Seattle. Wilson had a total quarterback rating of 45.3 with Harvin on the field this season and 71 without him, without him in the game. Harvin struggled to get on the field even when healthy during his two seasons with the Seahawks, despite being the highest-paid Seahawks wide receiver the past two seasons. His 31.7 snaps played per game ranked fifth amongst Seattle's wideouts. With the four downs, I'm Jake Chernoff. Welcome back to the Asman and Budic Show Football Frenzy Week Number 8. And now, it's time for the Pigskin Pick'ems. Are you ready? This week's Pigskin Pick'ems starts right now. The Pigskin Pick'ems, Jake. First game we're talking about, Jets at home against Buffalo. I like the Jets in this game. You look at this game coming in, and the Jets are actually three-point favorites at home. I just think it's desperation time for this team. They have Percy Harvin in the mix. You have Curly signed long-term. You need to find out what you have in Geno Smith. I expect Geno Smith to play a decent enough game to put the Jets in position to win the game. It's going to come down to the Jets' defense versus Kyle Orton and Sammy Watkins. And I think at the end of the day, this pass rush will make just enough plays and the offense will score just enough points to allow Rex Ryan to, allow Rex Ryan to get a win here and put the Jets at 2-6 and six and potentially allow them to get going and win a couple games to try and save their head coach's job once again. Yeah, I'm taking the Jets too. I think... This is the break in their schedule they need. They're playing a Buffalo team without their two running backs. They're going to have to put a pass rush on. Geno Smith can't turn over the ball. I think the Jets are going to win the game. Now, obviously, the Giants are not in action due to the bye week, so we have an extra wild card team, but we're going to head to the Sunday night matchup, New Orleans at home against Green Bay. And you look at this game and, you know, desperation, I got to take the Saints. You know, they're obviously very desperate. They need the win. We talked about it earlier. They're coming to the game. Two and four. The Packers come in winning four straight. But with all that being said, I'm going to take the Saints at home. I think Drew Brees has a nice game. I think at the end of the day, the Saints need this game more than the Packers do. And I think that desperation, that over the top that they're going to have to play with, is going to be the difference in this football game. I'm taking the Saints there at home. I'll give the one point away. And you know, at the end of the day, got to take the Saints in the game that they must win. I think it's a game the Saints must win at home. I think they're going to do it, Jake. They need the game, like you mentioned, more than Green Bay does. You know, they got to keep their season on the line, 2-5. and five. That's going to be just tough to get a, get out of that hole. I think they're going to get the win. Monday Night Football now, Redskins at the Cowboys. Dallas are 10-point favorites at home against the Redskins. And with Colt McCoy starting for the Redskins, I'm going to have to give the 10 points and take Dallas. I understand that 10 points is a lot, but at the end of the day, I'm just not that impressed with the Redskins. And, of course, Colt McCoy is not a proven quarterback. He's making his first start of the season. He's obviously starting in Monday Night Football against a Dallas defense. has been very impressive. 
And I think at the end of the day, this Dallas offense is going to be able to put up a lot of points on this bad Redskins defense. I like Dallas. I'll give the 10. I think they cover. Dallas wins the game. I'm giving them the 10, too. I think they're going to win the game. I just don't trust Colt McCoy in this offense going to Dallas with as hot as, as Dallas is playing. I just don't think they're going to be able to get it done. Now you look at another game right here. You have the Seahawks at the Panthers. Seahawks are actually giving five points as the road team, but I'm still going to take them. I'm not a big believer in the Panthers. And at the end of the day, the Seahawks are 3-3. Three and three. I can't imagine the Seattle Seahawks falling under 500. I'm going to take Seattle in this game. I think they're able to run the football against a very bad rushing defense of the Carolina Panthers. I think Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson have big days. And I think the Seattle secondary is still good enough to shut down you know, a, a very mediocre wide receiving corpse of the Panthers. I'm taking Seattle. Yeah, my first wild card game, I got Indianapolis traveling to Pittsburgh. I think they're going to win, and they're going to cover that three-point spread. I'm not impressed, like I said, with what I've seen out of the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. I just don't like what I've seen. They got very lucky this past week, being able to score 21 points in a span of two minutes and 30 seconds, whatever it was, was absolutely ridiculous. I think Indianapolis is the better team. They're going to win. Second wild card game. Of course, the Giants are on the bye week, so we'll pick another one. Bears at the Patriots. Patriots are giving six and a half points at home, and I'm going to take the pass. I'm just not a big believer in the Bears. I think New England's hot right now. I think they're playing the best football they played all season long. And I think at the end of the day, the Pats are going to be the Pats. I think they go, they, they take care of business at home against a team in Chicago that's really struggling right now. Yeah, I have Philadelphia traveling to Arizona. I think you know, there are two-and-a-half-point dogs. I think they're going to win that game. I'm taking Philadelphia on the road. All right, just a quick synopsis of the picks. Jets versus Bills. I'm taking the Jets minus three. Redskins at the Cowboys and Monday Night Football. I think Dallas is going to win that game. I think they cover the 10-point spread. Saints in desperation mode. I think beat the Packers. And, of course, you have Seattle minus five on the road. I'm still going to take the Seahawks. And then New England and the Bears. The Bears right now just don't impress me that much. The Patriots are hot. Patriots minus six-and-a-half at home. I'm going to take the Pats. Yep, some of my games, I have Dallas at home getting the win against Washington, New Orleans at home bouncing back, getting a win against Green Bay, Indianapolis on the road against Pittsburgh, Arizona falling to Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia is going to get that win, cover that two and a half points, Jets at home getting the win, and bouncing back, getting their second one of the year. So that's going to do it for the Pigskin Pickups. Before we go, we're just going to read off of the standings as we head into week eight. I come in at 15 and 10. Dan comes in at 14 and 11. And two weeks ago, the last time we did a show, we both went four and one during week six of the season. Of course, that's going to do it for the Football Frenzy podcast. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. As always, make sure you find us on Twitter at Asman Budic Show. And of course, like us on Facebook, the at the Asman Budic Show. We now have a official Facebook page, of course. And make sure you follow us on Twitter. Follow our producer, Jake Chernock. And we have a whole crew now helping us out with the show. We're going to introduce them as we go along going forward. But once again, Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. For Dan Budick, I'm Jake Asman saying so long. This has been another edition of the Asman Budick Show podcast. Thank you for listening to the Asman and Budick podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.